This is Straight Dope, episode 72. I'm going to answer a question that I've had a few times, but usually just looked right past because it's not a topic that I felt like fit into the shooting world, but now I think that it's worth addressing. And that is, will physical fitness help my shooting? To make a long story very short, my answer is yes. Like everything, I have opinions that are often different than the larger community or the status quo. And so if you want to hear my opinions on shooting, that's why you come to this podcast. And just like shooting, my opinions on fitness, exercise, and performance are often very different than the larger culture and media that you read and see about. But I'm going to take a little bit of time to talk about fitness and my opinion on how fitness would help most shooters, not maybe not one particular shooter for one particular event, but I'm going to talk about this in general. So if you're interested in that, stay tuned. If you want to support the podcast and you want to do it directly, you can go to riflecraft.com and get a subscription. You get added metrics for your riflecraft targets. You get emails from me, communication, and other things, as well as just simply supporting the podcast and being a part of the crew that helps make sure that this continues. If you don't care about it continuing and you're going to just listen to something else, um, rock on. The AccuFireTech.com, those guys are making cool optics for affordable prices. I'm hopefully going to be talking about some of their thermal soon. And until then, I am beating up the Atro 20 to the best of my ability and making sure that it you know, has enough data so that I can do a thorough walkthrough of that scope for something that's affordable for a precision long range scope versus the very expensive scopes that I also have in test. I think that you'll be happy with something like this and you'll be able to do all the things that you want to do for a price that doesn't break the bank. And so if cost is a limiting factor for you, which it is for a lot of people, that scope works really well. Now, when it comes to other equipment, basically everything else, I go to Mile High. Mile High Shooting, uh, if you go to milehighshooting.com, you can check out their website. It's a big website. They carry all sorts of high-end equipment. They carry Accuracy International. They have all sorts of barrels for them. They have high-end scopes. They carry rifles, carbines, pistols, and just about every type of high-end equipment that you could imagine, including ammunition. I have been shooting factory ammo for the last couple years exclusively, and I get all of it over at Mile High. They always have good ammo, and like I've said on the previous podcast, right now you could call them up or you can go online and order the Federal Gold Medal Match 6.5 Creedmoor ammo with 130 burgers in it. And in terms of available factory ammo right now, I have tested dozens of different lots, types of ammo, and looked at what's actually available out there. And this is the best available factory ammo for a 6.5 Creedmoor right now for things like competition. I imagine you could probably hunt with it, but it has got the best standard deviation and the best groups across the rifles that I've shot it through. And it's consistent with the best bullets out there. So they have tons of it. So if you go order that, Right now, you'll have good ammo for whatever you want. I've won competitions with it. My uh, team and individual, we have got first place trophies using those bullet, that exact lot of ammo. And they only have one lot. So 
Go check it out, but peruse everything that they have available. Their prices are always competitive, and they always have stuff in stock. So check out Mile High Shooting and get what you need to go shoot better. Now, fitness. Will it help you shoot better? Yes. Why? Well, let me explain a couple things first. I am closing in on 50, so I am not young anymore, but I've done a lot of things, and most of my life has has included fitness or sports or athleticism to a certain extent. I've made money, you know, professionally as an athlete, but also my professional careers have involved a high level of athleticism just to do the jobs that I've done. And so it's always been integrated. Now, earlier on in life, my first kind of competitive level sport was swimming. And I won a lot of events swimming. And that competitive drive and focus to, to work and perform at a high level evolved. And, and it evolved into mountain and ocean activities. And that kind of transcended into uh, a life of rock climbing and adventuring around the world. Now, in rock climbing, I took that focus and drive and was able to climb at a level of 514 in a variety of styles. And at the time, that was considered a high level of rock climbing. And although now the standards have gone up a little bit, it's still considered a high level of rock climbing. And so that discipline carried over to that. And then I took that and my experience professionally traveling around the world into different biomes, climates, and terrain to adventure racing. And I had a high level of success with adventure racing, winning some, and then going on to events that uh, I was exposed to through you know various um, doors and avenues. And a couple of those you might be familiar with. So I worked for a company called GORUCK, and I don't talk about that a lot. I was a cadre for a number of years, and I was the director of the expedition division, which no longer exists. So I resigned when that was kind of shut down. But before that, they started an event that kind of played into a lot of the things that I like to do, and they called it GORUCK Selection. Now, they're a military-based company, special operations company. So they based it off of selection and um, Hell Week and, and, and other uh, you know uh, types of crucibles that people go through at the higher levels of those uh, pipelines. And about 12 years ago, they started this event. And in the last 12 years, I think two dozen people have actually finished the event. So out of thousands of people, two dozen people over 12 years have finished this event. And I was in the second round of that selection course, and I finished it. So I'm a finisher of GORUCK Selection. I have won the Competition Dynamics Sniper Adventure Challenge, which is also a crucible type event that lasts a couple days where you land, navigate, you carry your equipment, you do a variety of skills, but it requires a certain level of fitness to complete. I've also competed in adventure races that have similar themes. The Kiersey family is a big family in the ranger community, and they, one of them started an event called the Endeavor Team Challenge a number of years ago. In fact, I think it was a, Pretty close to 10 years ago now, and it was based on the best ranger competitions. For So these are all events that you guys could actually go out and do. And so for three years, I got the top uh, co-ed team, male-female, with my wife. And so we were top competitors in that adventure race and competition dynamics, sniper adventure challenge, and other adventure races. And so I guess what I'm trying to show you is that my whole life has been not only professionally, but also in terms of my personal interests, evolved 
around the idea of accomplishing goals that require a certain level of fitness. And that certain level of fitness is higher than normal. And being able to win and finish these events requires some understanding of that. Now, professionally, I also had the opportunity to go to to college and graduate school, and I ended up teaching anatomy physiology. Um, And so studying biochemistry, toxicology, biology, anatomy physiology, and um, other disciplines has given me a perspective. Now, I'm not a specialist in nutrition and fitness by any means, but I do have a certain level of education that gives me some prerequisite information to understanding how bodies work and perform. And again, that's, it's not the field that I work in, but it is a field that I perform in and have performed in. So I feel like I have a decent perspective on the types of events that we like to do and the things that are required to do it. But just like with shooting, I want to reemphasize that I have opinions that are often not the same as the popular ones that you see on social media. So I don't want you to think of my opinion as really any different than my opinion on shooting because I like to be able to say, okay, great, but now what do we do with it, right? Show me how this works because there's plenty of ways to take the truth or what people like to say, the science of it, and have that somehow explain how things are going to work, but it doesn't really actually do that. So you could say, well, you know, the difference between my seven and a half twist and my eight twist barrel is so on and so forth. And they talk about the spin drift and they talk about jump and they talk about bullet uh, BC and, and, you know, do I use four degrees of freedom or do I use a BC based uh, ballistic calculator and wind speed and target direction and Coriolis. And, and it's like, okay, well, all of those things, they're, they're scientifically proven, for sure. But is a seven and a half or an eight twist barrel picking between those, is it really going to make you shoot better at competition? Because when I asked the good competition shooters, you know, they, they couldn't care less. They just shoot what they shoot. And they don't really worry too much about BC. They don't really worry too much about velocity or load or this because they just they do what works, and then they worry about performance. And I think that's the case for athletes, too. Bridging the gap is interesting because just like a bullet leaves your barrel and it's got a certain level of, of instability, it's wobbling around trying to stabilize itself in this new environment, and then it stabilizes itself, and it's in a more stable condition for a while. I think a lot of people jump into something new and they have that sort of instability. And so they're influenced by a lot of factors that they don't quite understand. When you pick a goal and you're comfortable and experienced in a field, all of a sudden, you know what to do. You know what's required and you know the questions and answers that are going to help you accomplish that goal. And the the thing is that that, that, that's not as clear in shooting. And so um, to make the, the short story longer, the, the, the question, the way I approach most things is, you know, you need to be able to demonstrate that this is actually going to have an effect on my shooting, right? If I shoot an inch, how is twist rate going to make me less than an inch shooter? Well, it's probably not. How about the different BC of the bullets? Well, it's probably not. So like, if you can't shoot well to begin with, that stuff's not going to matter. And if you can only see it after 1200 yards or 1400 yards or 50, or when it's going through transonic, yeah, it might be true, but it's really not in the competitive zone of 
where we're shooting, and it's really not going to help you shoot better. Does that make sense? So it's like saying, well, okay, I want to run a marathon, and I want to run it competitively. And so you might say, okay, well, you know, what do you need to be a competitive marathon runner? Well, let's look at what competitive marathon runners do, or, or, or where are they performing? Just like a top PRS shooter, where are they performing? Or a top hunter or, or sniper adventure challenge person? Or what does it take to you know, get through a selection pipeline? You say, well, what's, what's asked of them? What's, so if you're going to be a top marathon runner, and I'm not talking about like your local small town marathon, I'm talking about like a top marathon runner. Let's say that we were, let's have a goal of five minute miles. So you should you should be running five minute miles, and not not just one mile at five minutes, but let's let or you know five or six minutes. Um, remember, I'm just making this up. But so let's say okay, well well we got a five minute mile, and we're gonna run for twenty six point two miles at a five minute pace. Oh man, okay, well can you run at five? You know, and this and so we go on the internet and they say, oh well, you know, here's these fancy shoes with special soles that you know really reduces the friction. And they're light, so you expend less energy. Okay, cool. Well, if I run a 10-minute mile, is that going to help me run a 5-minute mile? No, pr- pr- probably not, right? Well, you know, this guy, he went on a ketogenic diet, and, you know, his oxygen um, consumption was then able to go towards his fat burning and so on and so forth. So is that going to help you run? No, no, it's definitely definitely not. Not if you're running a 10-minute mile, right? In fact, it's like the opposite of what you should do, right? So, oh, well, how about these low friction shorts? Like, is that going to, no, it's not. But science proves that with lower friction, you're going to exert less energy. Yeah, but it's not going to help you bridge the gap from a 10-minute mile to a five-minute mile, right? It's not going to make you faster. And so there's a lot of products out there that even though they do what they say that they're going to do, it's not going to help you perform better. So like the Riflecraft drill, it's showing you where your fundamentals are and how you handle your rifle and you shoot a smaller group. A lot of products out there, they say, okay, well here, first of all, if I take Morgan King and I give him a product and he can shoot it well, are you going to be able to shoot it well? Well, it depends, but but not necessarily, right? If it, it means that you could if you had the fundamentals that he has, but it's not necessarily what you think the answer is. So you have to be able to show it, right? You can't use all sorts of data that people use to sell products or justify why their product is better. That's different, and that exists in the shooting community almost more than anything else. It's a little misleading because it's not necessarily going to help you understand how to make your shooting better. And the details and minutia that back up why you know one number is better than another if you look at it practically speaking, those numbers have nothing to do with why you're missing the targets. And fixing those isn't going to raise your hit percentage for the most part. So just like that, fitness is one of those tricky subjects. And a lot of people that talk to me envision, they have some sort of idea of what fitness actually means. And so I'm going to define what I mean fitness by first saying that average person doesn't move around very much throughout the day compared to how we evolved as humans to our bodies are designed and have evolved from moving around. And so our bodies are used to and accustomed to in terms of our species to moving around and going through a wide range of movements 
continuously throughout the day, not lifting extremely heavy things, not running extremely fast, but rather going through a variety and continual range of motion change. And modern life, you might say that we've become chronically urban. And what I mean by chronically urban is we walk on very flat surfaces, which are hard to find in nature. And we sit in very comfortable chairs, which put our bodies in odd postures, right? Like, so it's easy for us to work at a desk because we have a seat that sits us so that our legs are bent and we can put our hands on a table and we could type into a computer. But that's not how we evolved to work. And one of the problems for people are that we evolved to move and moving actually um, does things internally to aid in the movement of fluids and to stretch tissues in ways that are helpful, but not only helpful, but allow us for optimal performance. And so our, our hearts, you know, and, and I'm going to speak in general terms, so, so the people that, that understand this at a higher level just, just excuse the fact that I'm going to be speaking in generalities. But in general, right, we, we, we inhale oxygen, we inhale gases, and oxygen is exchanged in our lungs, and we exhale carbon dioxide as a waste product. And then our heart is beating, right? And our heart beats and pumps the blood away from it. So it goes past the lungs and it goes out to our extremities. But actually getting it back to our heart and lungs, our heart only beats things out. And so that pressure goes out to our periphery. And then in order to get it back, it's aided by the contraction of your muscles. Your muscles actually juice it like a ringer. They kind of juice the blood and tissues. And there's valves in our, in our venous system that help that come back. And then by taking deep breaths, that puts pressure inside of our torsos, and that also helps move those fluids back to our heart and lungs. And so by pumping that fluid from the periphery back, we're kind of doing, to a certain extent, what our heart is doing to get the oxygenated stuff out to our periphery. And so that cycle is important to happen. And so while our heart's always beating, you might not always be moving. And so that flow isn't being encouraged backwards unless you take your joints through full range of motion. Now, ICU nurses and nurses that are taking care of people that can't move often move the joints and tissues of people who can't move themselves because it is um, counterproductive to their health and welfare to not have those tissues move because if those fluids sit there, bad things can happen. But that applies to you too. The more you get up and move around and just simply move your joints through their full range of motion, not under heavy loads, but simply like wiggle your toes all the way up, all the way down, your ankles, all the way around, your knees, in and out, your hips, you know, move your torso around, your shoulders, your elbows, your fingers, your wrist, you know, your neck. Now, if you, your body wants to do that, but not only does it want to do that to keep the tissues from... Um, oversupported, like you're, uh, you've got a fascial network that will reinforce things that don't move and allow things that move to continue to move. But if you don't move, the, the connective tissue will actually kind of make the stuff that isn't moving more resistant to moving, right? So, so it actually holds you in that posture. The problem is, if you're sitting, that posture doesn't help you when you stand up. And so those tissues that get thicker and are more resistant to moving because if you're sitting for 10 hours a day, your body isn't going to be totally psyched about 10 or 15 minutes of moving if for you know 
hours and hours and hours, you're immobile. So the more you can move throughout the day, you're more gonna, you're going to resist that stiffening of those tissues. And the problem is when you have parts of joints that are stiffer than others and parts that are more mobile than others, that is not balanced and it can cause joint problems down the road. And, and a lot of people have knee, hip, lower back and neck problems. And some of that comes from the range of motion being restricted on one side more than the other. And then when you actually do go up and get to do stuff, they don't move the way that they should. And so it causes issues down the road. <clears throat> I can get a physical therapist or somebody on to t- actually talk about that, that works in those fields. But anyway, these are my ideas. So how will you benefit from physical fitness? I think that everybody would benefit from simply moving. And I'm talking about like zone one and two movement, right? Zone two movement is you can continually have a conversation when you're doing it. You might hear about people saying, okay, well, a long, slow run. Well, most of us, if we run, we're going to get out of breath. That's too much. I'm talking about movement where you're not going to get out of breath. You might be breathing heavier than normal, but you could still hold a conversation kind of zone type of activity. Those kinds of things that you can do for a long time, get your body prepared in a way that you, for, for, for other things that you don't get from being sedentary. Those benefits easily carry over into shooting. And what I mean by that is as your body is moving around, it, it's also preparing itself for more moving around. So it mobilizes fuels that are stored. And some of those fuels preferentially go up and fuel our brain. And so our brain is not fueled by the same thing that other parts of our body are. And mobilizing fuels that help your brain are also the things that are mobilized when you exercise. So that exercise not only mobilizes fuel, it also prepares your cardiovascular system for moving more oxygen. Well, the good thing is your brain performs better with more oxygen. And so as you're exercising, it's not only fueling your brain and it's fueling uh, it, it and your muscles. It's releasing uh, epinephrine. It's, it's releasing adrenaline because your body's getting ready to do something. And that sharpens your focus and your attention and your oxygenating. And all of those things are going to make your vision better. It's going to make your cognitive processes faster. And it's going to keep you from locking up and kind of zoning out and you need to be able to concentrate and catch things, subtle things, faster to shoot better. So not only is your dexterity going to be up, but your eyes are going to work better, your brain is going to work faster, you're going to have clarity of thought and mind, you'll be able to think through your dope, you'll be able to see your impacts and misses better, you'll be able to think through the stage design and description, you'll be able to make choices better because your body is prepared for exercise. But the way to do that is get it used to moving, get it used to mobilizing those fuels, get it used to increasing the uptake of oxygen by dilating the vasculature and expanding kind of the volume of your cardiopulmonary system and allow for those adaptations to prepare you for exercise and then channel it towards shooting. And so doing those low-level activities throughout the day will get your body ready for that. And the neat thing about our bodies 
is that it almost doesn't matter what you do, you'll see fitness gains and health gains from just about anything that you do. And that's one of the confusing things, but also uh, one of the nice things. The confusing thing is that on the internet, you are bombarded with, you need to do this weight thing. And they show you like a muscular person, right? Or, or somebody with an attractive physique, or you need to do this heavy lifting thing, or you need to do this endurance thing, or one thing or another. But what's interesting is if you're not on an exercise program already, you could do just about anything and have the same positive health benefits. And so you could sell a product and say this gives you positive health benefits because you could pretty much do anything and have positive health benefits. I mean, if you really were clever and had the funding and were able to market it, you could have a calisthenic program built around just using the rifle as a weight and a tool and an exercise thing because you could use it to stretch your shoulders, you could stretch limbs, you could use it as like a foam roller and a massage tool and you could do all sorts of stuff assuming the muzzle was pointed in a safe direction and you were unloaded with a chamber flag and there was no RO screaming at you or something like that. But um, the idea is the more you move and the more you take your muscles and joints through their full range of motion, right, in length and in contraction, you'll start to develop and accumulate those health gains. And that's why sometimes when you read that studies are done and you're like, what does it have to do with anything? They, they show the positive effects that things like yoga and Tai Chi that you don't normally think of as, as exercise if you don't do it, or just walking. Walking is probably one of the best things that you can do for your body period. And in fact, walking is one of those things that I've done almost my whole life as a training tool for all the things that I do. And I don't do it carrying weight. I think if you go to the VA and you look at the number of knee, hip, back, and neck injuries that infantry soldiers have, that justifies that there's something wrong with just carrying heavy stuff and walking around with it, right? You need more education than that. But walking around not carrying super heavy stuff is great for your muscles and joints, moving the fluids and, and hydrating, oxygenating tissues and allowing the waste products to be filtered through your organs. And so walking is probably the best thing that you can do. Now, the questions that come in, should I do more cardio? Should I do more weight? Should I do both? And the thing is, you need to do something at a level that's low enough that you could do it every day. And I mean every day or every day that you can, and you should be doing it throughout the day. Because if you exercise, for, let's say, just hypothetically, for 15 minutes in the morning, you know, a lot of us have busy lives, and you get up, and you're like, man, I have 15 minutes. And you do something for 15 minutes, and then you sit down for 10 hours. That 10 hours of immobility is really not good for you. And you'd probably be better off every hour doing 5 or 10 minutes of moving throughout the day than you know, 15 minutes, 30 minutes in the morning, and then being immobile for the rest of the day. Obviously, something is better than nothing, but the more you can do it throughout the day. What I have found is that there are a lot of cultures within the exercise and sports communities that like to exhaust themselves. But when you look at the highest performing people, they get through that phase. And I know for sure for myself, regardless of the discipline that I'm competing in or have competed in in the past, my training plans have always revolved around and had the best results from not training to exhaustion, but rather training to kind of where I was up towards my peak and then stopping. And so kind of warming up and then ramping it up, ramping it up and feeling great and stopping at that peak rather than training to 
training to exhaustion. And some of that came from learning about some of the practices of powerlifters, particularly Eastern European powerlifters. And those guys are doing very, very heavy lifts. And they do the same lifts every day, seven days a week. They don't take rest days. They don't do leg day and then arm day and then chest day and then abs and then go back to leg day. Nope, they do the same lifts every single day. But they do it not to a point where they're so exhausted that they can't lift the next day. They do it to a point because they're developing the patterns and the processes and the neurological stimulation for those kinds of lifts. And I thought, shit, that might work in the things that I do if I kind of tailor it. Now, I don't lift heavy weights. In fact, I rarely lift weights at all personally because my outlets are more outdoor adventure style athletics. But I do like the idea that you should be able to do stuff most days and you could if you wanted to do it repeatedly as long as you allowed your body to adapt itself to it right now some things like running if you do it every day too much you'll get shin splints or 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 things could start to but that means that you went a little bit too hard i'm talking about starting off really slow right not exceeding that zone two and not driving yourself to complete exhaustion so that you get used to the effects and the stimulation but at a lower level. And that lower level stimulation can carry over to health benefits throughout your life. Now, people like to add physical fitness questions with nutrition. And I think physical fitness and moving is more important than nutrition at this point. Now, obviously, you need to eat uh, a healthy and balanced diet, but you can augment a lot of that in terms of the research has shown and continues to show that People who move throughout the day and exercise to a certain extent, not at an extreme level, because those people actually have negative consequences of extreme athletics, but I think if you're listening to this, you're not that kind of person. But they show that that it's the moving your body and it's the oxygenation and that zone two level activity that actually uh, is more important than than your diet itself. Now, again, like I'm not a physician, so I'm not telling you what to do, but I think if you had to do one or the other, I would definitely lean way hard in the physical side, not hard in terms of like, I'm going to go crazy with exercise and join a CrossFit gym and do all this stuff. No, I'm talking about just moving through your full range of motion throughout the day and having some longer walks if you can. Walk for 30 minutes, but be able to hold a conversation while you're walking. If you want to walk for 45 minutes or an hour, great. Walk for an hour and a half. That's probably even more ideal. I probably wouldn't do that more than an hour and a half because it just takes a long time. And at that point, you're doing mileage where you might benefit from jogging a little bit. But I'm talking about at a low level, not completely run out of breath. In fact, it's good to get your heart rate up assuming that your body's capable of doing that, but you're better off at first just staying at that low level, go through your range of motion. And if you did that kind of stuff regularly, you would see a positive effect on your shooting because of the things that I mentioned. You would see your hormones and endorphins, for lack of a better term, and the oxygenation and getting rid of those byproducts that your body produces and accumulates from just sitting around. You would see all that stuff shift towards your body functioning and thinking and performing at a higher level. And I think that you would feel that right away. And the cognitive processes involved with shooting, I think you would notice a pretty quick influence. And what I mean by pretty quick is three to four weeks, because I don't think that you're going to see huge differences in a physical program any earlier than three to four weeks, and probably more 
in the four to eight weeks, but that should be easy enough where you do it. Now you could go online and look at programs, but a lot of those programs are really intimidating. And like I said before, it almost doesn't matter what you do as long as you're doing something consistently at a level where you're not wearing yourself out. And as that base grows and develop, you'll start to become more familiar with how your body responds and the outlets that you're going towards. And then after that, you could start to refine it more towards, I want to do X, Y, or Z. But don't base it off what the internet tells you or what somebody's physique might tell you because physiques are very, very misleading, right? Especially because of movies. And I, you know, just a funny anecdote, when, when, when we first went to the Sniper Adventure Challenge, you know, it was I, I thought, oh shit, you know, I'm kind of out of my element. Everybody's here to shoot and we're going to do all this crazy stuff. I didn't quite know what it was. And there are these monsters and they're all wearing like fatigues and they look, they have huge arms and chests and giant quads and they're really muscular. But the thing is, I found that, that a lot of guys that look like that, like, you know, yeah, they, they exercise a lot and they can lift a lot of weights, but they're not able to perform in the real world for extended periods of time because their body's not used to that longer performance level. So the way you look does not translate to the way you perform. And I've always leaned towards performance over appearance. And so you'll feel better and you'll perform better if you lay that foundation and then tailor it towards your activity, not base it off of what you want to look like. Because if, if you're just doing something like that for what you want to look like, this isn't the podcast for you. This is a performance podcast for shooting. Physical fitness will help you. I think low-level cardio will help you more than anything, but some weights can't hurt, and to a certain extent, weights, if you have a hormonal imbalance, you want to stimulate testosterone, uh, you want to stimulate some growth factor, and you want to increase uh, some things that, that weights can do that, that's awesome. Like, like, do it. But again, don't do it at a point where you couldn't do the same thing again the next day and the next day. That doesn't mean you have to do it every day or three days in a row, but I would say monitor it in a way that you could if you wanted to, and it wouldn't, you wouldn't have any detrimental effects from being able to do it multiple days in a row. A lot of times people jump into stuff and they can't move the next day or they're so sore or exhausted, and you don't really see the health benefits like you would if you just did something at a lower level and integrated it slowly. And it's not going to turn you into a champion athlete by any means, but it's going to optimize your body for the way it was designed and meant to perform. And that's what we're talking about here, using your body to optimize its performance. And that performance is, if we're talking about shooting, it's not so much, I mean, yeah, if you could do burpees and push-ups and squat down and get down into prone and stand up and get down into prone and stand up, that's going to help you in terms of time. But more importantly, shooting is a visual process and a neurological process and your visual and nerve system needs oxygen and it needs fuel and it needs that acuity that you get by piggybacking it off of something physical and so if you can do that you'll get an added advantage to your shooting it'll increase your visual cues it'll increase your decision making and neurological signals you'll get benefits for shooting by piggybacking it off of a physical fitness kind of bent. I think that that can't be understated and I can't overemphasize that anymore that doing stuff is going to help you. What exactly you do almost doesn't matter. And what I mean almost doesn't matter is that you just need to go through your range of motion and you need to do it throughout the day. And you need to do it at a level that doesn't completely exhaust you so that you could do it the next day. 
Does that mean following a program? If that if you're a program follower, then yes, I would go to Softlead. I've, I've been a Softlead athlete for the last eight years since they started. They have great programs. A lot of those programs are for people with specific goals, like they want to go to a special operations selection and they want to have the physical capability to do that. So they, they come in at a higher level and they train to an even higher level. You don't need to do that. You could start. You could do a low-level endurance garage gym-based program at Softleet. And I, I do hear from shooters in the shooting community who know that I'm affiliated with Softleet. And they say, wow, this has really helped me. I love it. It's very easy. You get the app and you follow the program and you might do various exercises every single day or every other day or however often that you want to. The more you follow the program, the better the results will probably be. But you don't have to do something like that, right? It's helpful because it provides you with structure and a plan and a time frame that you could do it in. But if you're a self-starter and you like to do things kind of like I like to do with shooting and like, man, I got 10 minutes. What am I going to do? Oh, I'll walk up and down the stairs and I'll do a couple push-ups and pull-ups. And then I might get some exercise bands and stretch my joints through the range of motion and um, stretch a little bit and not stretch like, you know, maybe you did in elementary school or high school, but rather like actively stretch. Like I'll lift my legs off the ground and I'll stand on my toes and I'll, um, you know, do things that are active stretching, not passive stretching. And those, those kinds of things lay a much broader base and have much more health gains for people who aren't physically active. Now, if you're already physically active and you're already doing stuff, then you're not the person that I'm speaking to. I'm speaking to people that don't necessarily do stuff throughout the day and could potentially see negative consequences of their shooting from the fact that you're not very active. And, and that doesn't mean that you have to be an athlete or wear a tank top and have running shoes and running shorts or whatever. I'm just saying, go through your range of motion. Test it. Lift your legs up. Lift your knees up. Bend your legs. Try to kick your butt. You know, jog there for a sec. Kick your butt. Touch your toes. Uh, you know, squat down as low as you can and stand up. Reach your hands up over your head. Can you, you know, take your arms in, in small and large circles and twist? And are there types of movements that you've become more stiff in? And can you kind of play in that area of tightness a little bit without added weight and pressure just to explore that space to try to regain that range of motion and every day kind of do, you know, you don't have to do a lot of sit-ups, but sit up. Can you get yourself off the floor? There's, there's people that as they start to age can't even get themselves off the floor or have to use two hands rather than one hand. Or can you lay down on the floor and get up without your hands at all? <clears throat> Those kinds of things will translate over towards shooting. It will also prepare your body for moving and it'll be healthful. And then walking around, um, you know, one thing that I've got here and have been doing recently because I haven't been exercising as much because I've been shooting so much is just simply doing something every hour that I'm awake. And so just even if it's only for a couple of minutes every hour, you know, I'm trying to get up and do something active and then sit down because talking on the podcast or doing other things or driving the kids around, a lot of times I run into times where I'm sitting in the car for a couple hours. And if I'm driving a long way, sometimes I'll just stop, get out of the car and move around for five or 10 minutes and then get back in the car and drive. And in reality, that doesn't cost me a lot of time, but it does give me a lot of health benefits and raise my level of performance. And it makes me feel good that I'm taking care of a machine that I expect to take care of me into older age, having really abused it for many, many decades. Now, I have a lot of wear and tear and 
injuries and nuts and bolts that are holding me together because I have done a lot of things on the far end of the scale. But to go forward, especially into shooting, it's that aerobic base and that ability to transition yourself from not doing anything to aerobic to then cognitive performance that will show positive signs with shooting. So yes, I think it will. What do you do? Whatever you can do. If you need help, go to Softly, get the app. There are probably other free apps or things, but consider the fact that it is helpful for you to do low-level, full range of motion, full body, and low-level cardio exercises as a base for whatever it is you're going to transition to. Now, I'll bring in some specialists. I'll bring in some people that have achieved high levels in a variety of different disciplines to talk about how they have approached exercise, but I guarantee that the base will fall back on this, that moving, probably more important than diet, right? Moving and hydration, what you eat, you'll learn what you need to be able to keep you going as you raise those levels. And that movement will have a positive influence on the markers that are also the same markers that have a high level of correlation towards your ability to perform neurologically and cognitively with shooting. So I think that it will help your shooting. Do it for a month and let me know if you notice a difference. I bet you will.